will now tune in to No One Watches Regular News No More, hosted by me, Kerry Bogart, and this is episode 42. All right, welcome back. Thank you for being able to tune in and listen on this morning. Um, I have two quick stories that I wanted to cover that are entertainment. And then the last story is more serious. Um, The first story deals with Barack Obama. In this article, it says Barack Obama once punched a guy and broke his nose for calling him a racial slur. All right, so in this article, it talks about Barack Obama being called a racial slur by someone who he thought was a friend. It didn't end well. So on this podcast, this is on a Spotify podcast uh, titled Renegades Born in the U.S., which he co-hosts with uh, Bruce Springsteen. And he talked about this racist encounter with his friend and the term he called Barack Obama when he was in high school in uh, Hawaii. Uh, So while attending high school in Hawaii, and at one time we got into a fight, he called me a coon. So his friend called Barack Obama a coon. So there's two words that's very offensive towards the black people. And it's the term coon uh, and nigger. Um, so his friend called him a coon. Now, first of all, ain't no coons in Hawaii, right? The former president joked, uh, is one of those things that where he might have not even known what a coon was. What he knew was I can hurt you by saying this. Then Obama re, uh, counted his reaction. Um, I remember I popped him in the face and broke his nose. And when we were in the locker room, And he said, why do you do that? Um, Then Obama recalled, and I explained to him, I said, don't ever call me something like that. Uh, Bruce Springsteen, who was a friend of of Obama, shared his support. Well done, he replied. It also talked about um, in his book, it was a time to where Barack Obama used slurs that were directed towards gays, lesbians, uh, transgender people. Uh, This is what it says in his book, which was released in November of last year. Barack admitted that his attitudes towards gays, lesbians, and transgender people hadn't always been enlightened. In the years before he entered politics, he wrote how as a teenager, he and his friends sometimes threw around homophobic slurs at each other as casual put downs, you know, and he talked about this in the book uh, that, you know, at some point uh, he did use these slurs in describing gays, lesbians, transgenders, you know, so. Uh, but this is something kind of insightful about Barack Obama that he, you know, that he revealed this part of his past. And uh, this is actually a good thing. Because every single person has a story to tell about their past, what they went through, what they experienced. And Barack Obama is seen as this imperfect guy. He's so perfect. He has done no wrong in his eight years. You know, he was scandal free. But people forget that he had a past. You know, he had a past life. He was once a a kid, a teenager. He was in college. So he's lived through life and, and has experienced things. And so for him to kind of share this uh, on the podcast is um, refreshing. And it's a side of him that people don't get to see and hear him talk about this 
about his past life and uh is very um I don't want to say entertaining but it's is very interesting to hear him talk about this um I've only heard maybe one or two episodes but um I will definitely um tune in and, and listen to, uh some more to Barack Obama talk about you know um different subjects different topics and what he has to say it it also says this in the article he continued once I got to college and became friends with fellow students and professors who were openly gay though I realized the overt discrimination and hate they were subject to as well as the loneliness and self-doubt that the dominant culture imposed on them I feel the shame of my past behavior and learned to, to do better he revealed so again uh this is a side of Barack Obama that people don't always get to see. Talking about, you know, being called a a slur, a coon, and when he was in high school back in Hawaii, and his response and being honest about when he was a teenager, how he used um, slurs, you know, in describing uh, gays, lesbians, and transgendered. You know, it was, what's crazy is that now... If he hadn't even revealed this and it came out later that he did say this, people would probably hang him for it. You know, they'll they'll jump down his throat and, you know, give him some kind of very harsh criticism. But, you know, people have to be honest about the past and talk about how they used to think and how they grow and through growth and experience their mind change. At some point in your life, you cannot think the exact same way as you thought when you was in your 20s and when when uh, you was a, a teenager. Once you get older and, and uh, grow up, your mind should change on how you see things. And I like the fact that Obama is really revealing this on this podcast. All right, this next article is more entertainment. Um, Chrissy Teigen, she's the wife of uh, John Legend, the singer. And she's the kind of woman, I can tell, um, she's the kind of woman that likes the attention. John Legend has to put his foot down and check his wife. Because uh, she's going to ruin his career. And cause a scene and and really embarrass him. She continues to not only embarrass herself, but also her husband, John Legend. So this article was in Insider.com. It says Chrissy Teigen begs Joe Biden to unfollow her on Twitter so she can get back to tweeting like herself. So whenever you have these very important eyes on you, when the president is, is watching you, you feel uncomfortable tweeting certain things out because he's watching and because you feel some kind of way that, that you can't really tweet like you want to tweet. You know, you can't say certain things of, like you want to say it because he's watching you because he's following your Twitter account. So she's uncomfortable with Joe Biden following her on Twitter. And she want to get back to tweeting like herself. Uh, this is just a cry for attention. In the article, this is what it says. Um, Chrissy Teigen pleaded with president Joe Biden to unfollow her on Tuesday so that she can return to tweeting normally. The model explained that she needed Joe Biden to stop following her on Twitter so that she could flourish as me. I must 
ask you to please, Lord, unfollow me. Please, Lord, unfollow me. I love you. It's not you. It's me. Tegan wrote. So this woman is uncomfortable with the president of the United States following her Twitter. Because she's afraid, probably, if I say something, he sees it. I'll have to backtrack, say I was sorry for what I said. This shows you that this woman clearly knows that the thing that she posts is inappropriate. It can be embarrassing to herself, her husband, her family, but yet she wants to still put it out there. Jung Legend, uh, I think they're going to head for divorce pretty soon. That's just my my. That's just that that's just my prediction, my belief that eventually Chrissy Teigen and John Legend will probably divorce. This woman is, is embarrassing. I must ask you to please, Lord, unfollow me. I love you. It's not you, it's me. Uh, she said this. I have tweeted a handful of times since my treasure president following. In order for me to flourish as me. I must ask you to please unfollow. Lord, please unfollow me. According to, to Tegan's, she's only tweeted a, a handful of times since Biden's account been following her since January after his inauguration. But you would think, okay, if your husband, John Legend, is friends with Joe Biden, then why are you ashamed? You know, you're more concerned with how you are on Twitter than you are in real life. As of this morning, the president account was following about 13 people, including several White House staffers, Vice President Harris, uh, Dr. Jill Biden. Tegan was the only non-political figure followed by the account. However, it appeared that Tegan's wish was granted on Tuesday afternoon. The account of the president stopped following Tegan and she celebrated in a tweet writing, suck the D, I am free. This woman is embarrassing. S bitch, fuck shit. Uh, this is what she wrote. Chrissy Tegan, the wife of John Legend, who sings at an inauguration, who's friends with Joe Biden, who's friends with Barack Obama. This is what Chrissy Tegan wrote on Twitter. Bitch, fuck, shit, suck the D, I am free. This is what she fucking wrote. It's embarrassing. However, it's un unclear if the unfollow was the work of Biden himself, someone of the White House staff, or a strategic move on Tegan's part. It's also unclear why exactly Tegan wanted to be unfollowed by Biden because of shit like this. So she can tweet, this crap out. John Legend, he should feel embarrassed by his wife. How she behaves on Twitter and what she puts out there just for attention. He should be embarrassed. John Legend, her husband, should be embarrassed. I know I would. If this was my wife, I would check her real quick. It's possible that Tegan may have blocked and then quickly unblock the president a tactic move as soft blocking that helps users remove unwanted accounts from their list of followers she hasn't confirmed one way or the other 
Tegan first got the attention of the president. Now she got the attention of Joe Biden on Twitter shortly after his inauguration by tweeting, hello, Joe Biden. I have been blocked by the president for four years and I can get a follow, please. So she asked him for a follow. So Tegan got the attention of the president on Twitter shortly after his inauguration on January the 20th by tweeting out, hello, Joe. I have been blocked by the president for four years. Can I get a follow, please? So she wanted him to follow her. And then she says, don't follow me. Much of the cravings off the surprise, Biden followed her back later than that, uh, later that same day on his account. Then she shared the excitement. Tegan shared her excitement with her Twitter followers, writing, My heart, oh my God, I can finally see the president's tweets. So she was excited about getting a follow from Joe Biden. Now she wants him to unfollow her because she can't tweet like she want to tweet. She's embarrassing. John Legend should, uh, should divorce this woman. She has a, a, a big mouth. She talks too much. And that's my prediction that John Legend one day will wake up and say, man, you are an embarrassment. You always embarrass me. You always get this attention that you crave for. And then you are not happy. And now you want Joe Biden to unfollow you on Twitter. This is what she wrote. She wants him to follow her, but then turns around and says, I don't want you to follow me no more. This woman is embarrassing. Craving for attention, then now she doesn't want the attention. All right, so let's get into a, a more serious topic. Uh, the title of this podcast is called Low Life Mentality. Uh, with the recent release of rapper Bobby Shimurda. Bobby Shimurda was not convicted, wrongfully convicted of a crime that he did not commit. It wasn't like he was arrested was on trial, convicted, then sentenced for a crime he did not commit. Uh, Bobby Shimurda claimed that he was forced to take a plea deal. But remember that this rapper was aligned with a street gang. So he was associated with people that were engaging in criminal activity. So it's not like Bobby Shimurda was innocent. He went to prison, didn't snitch, didn't tell. Now he he gets out of prison. It's a celebration. People love it. It's a celebration that Bobby Shimurda has been released from prison. It's a party. People are happy. And this shows you that among black people, we have a very low life mentality. When I think about men locked up in prison, I'm thinking about the men that were wrongfully convicted of a crime they didn't commit. There's plenty of stories like that out there. Men wrongfully convicted of a crime they did not commit. They was arrested, put on trial, convicted, sentenced for a crime they did not commit. Now, once they are freed based on new evidence, that's a fucking story. That's a celebration. You celebrate those stories. Not somebody who was aligned with criminals Engaging in criminal activity, this guy gets arrested, 
put on trial, convicted, sentenced. He does his time, and just because he don't snitch or tell, he gets out, he's a hero, he's celebrated. This is the example of the low-life mentality when it comes to black people. It's embarrassing. So I wanted to talk about this story out of Idaho of a man, Chris Tapp, who was released, aided by the Idaho Innocent Project. This man served 20 years in prison for a crime he did not commit. He did not commit the crime. So the first thing I wanted to talk about is reparations. Now, recently, Joe Biden back studying reparations as Congress considers bill. Maybe they might consider passing some kind of bill dealing with reparations. Uh, this article says Harvard study concludes reparations could have reduced COVID transmission among black people. So it's a study being conducted, you know, and they might pass the bill. Not saying they will. Like this article says, White House uh, says Biden supports a uh, study of slavery reparations. Uh, this article says legislation calls for studying to reparations for African-Americans. So it's a possibility. But the, the thing about Chris Tapp's story at Idaho, at Idaho, man wrongfully convicted in Angie Dodge murder sues Idaho, Idaho Falls former police officers. He was wrongfully convicted. So in the story, it says on March 22nd, Chris Tapp was released early from prison after serving 20 years for the rape and murder of Angie Dodge in, in Idaho Falls in 1996. Following nearly 30 hours of interrogation, Tapp confessed to assisting in the crime, even though DNA said a different story. So he was forced to confess more than likely they forced him to confess confess to a crime that he did not commit. Christopher Tapp, the man wrongfully accused and convicted in the killing of Angie Dodge has sued the city of Idaho falls and several police officers involved in the case. The 57-page complaint was filed in federal court Thursday in the lawsuit. Tapp's attorney says he was sub subject to some of the worst police misconduct in history, which resulted in his wrongful conviction. They also reiterated that no physical evidence tied Tapp to the crime scene and say officers on the case coordinated to wrongfully convict Tapp of murder through abusive interrogations and shame uh polygraphs the police lied to him threatened him with death fed him false details about the crime and then lied and claimed the details originated with him one of Taft's attorneys uh told eastidahonews.com after being convicted convicted for the 1996 rape and murder of dodge by jury, Tapp spent nearly half his life behind bars. After more than two decades, new evidence came to light that pointed to another subject. 54-year-old Brian Drips is the killer of Dodge. 
On July 17, 2019, a judge exonerated Tap of the crime. Drips was later arrested in a waste trial, jury trial scheduled for 2021 this year. Because of what the Idaho Falls Police did to me, I lost the opportunity to raise a family, pursue a career, and to share in the most basic freedom that we all live for, Tap said in a news release. I continue to live every day with the nightmare of 22 years the Idaho Falls Police stole from me. So they took 20 years of his life away from him. Evidence freedom and now he's going to sue the Idaho Falls uh, Department Police Department for what they did to him this is a fucking story this is a story worth celebrating not a story of a rapper going to jail prison and getting out and we're happy that he's free that's not a fucking story this is a story. It's numerous stories like this. This is why legislation has to be passed by every single state to make sure that people who are wrongfully convicted of a crime they did not commit, they are compensated. It has to be a bill that compensates these men and women who are wrongfully convicted for a crime they did not commit. This is a fucking story. So let's continue to read. It says right here, the investigation and conviction of TAP. The entire case centers around the June 12, 1996 death of Angie Dodge. Police records show the officers arrived at her I Street apartment um, and found her body lying in the bedroom. Officers collected samples for a rape kit and collected other bodily fluids from the home. As the investigation unfolded, police learned Dodge had a group of friends who spent time along the Snake River. Among them was Tap. The lengthy lawsuit goes into a great detail about everything that happened leading up to and following the arrest of Tap. The court documents describe how investigators spoke with the then 19-year-old Tap who truthfully told them he had never been to Dodge's apartment. Tap provided a blood sample. Investigators kept working the case. But after six months, they still hadn't determined a killer. <clears throat> On January 6, 97, Tap's friend Benjamin Hobbs was arrested for the rape of another person in Nevada. Facing mounting pressure to solve his high-profile crime, defendants out of desperation, decided to focus their investigation on Hobbs and his friends to the extent they might have provided evidence incriminating Hobbs. Despite the fact that absolutely no evidence linked Hobbs to any of his friends, including Tap, to the crime, attorneys write in the lawsuit. The lawsuit passed media reporting showed Tap was picked up by officers and driven to the police station on January 7th in, in 1997, while their tap denied any knowledge of the crime, as detectives allegedly wanted to use tap to give Hobbs as the perpetrator. So they wanted tap to lie and say Hobbs did it. In an effort to break tap's will, 
Idaho Falls Police Department subjected him to about 60 hours of coercive interrogation and even polygraphs. They were meant to make it seem like he was lying. They threatened him with execution, fed him multiple secret details about the crime that only the real perpetrator would know and then falsely reported that Tap had volunteered those details. So they convicted a guy that was innocent. Tap confessed to participating in the killing on January 11th, 1997. Officers arrested Tap for accessory to murder. Six days later, investigators learned that the DNA found at the crime scene did not match Tap or Hobbs, but belonged to another person. But despite this conclusive evidence of Tap's innocence, defendants continued their campaign of coercion and manipulation to force Tap to falsely confess to multiple versions of the crime that fit defendants involving evidence and theory of the case, the lawsuit states. Now, this guy is set free due to evidence, okay? This story is worth talking about, is worth celebrating. This guy should have a big party for him. People should be happy that he's free. No one should be happy or give a shit or give a fuck about a Bobby Shimurda. No one should care about a Bobby Shimurda. All right, so this article talks about, uh, to add on to what, what I was saying, uh, this man, Chris Tapp, served 20 years in prison. Now, I just read to you uh, his case. I didn't want to go over the entire thing, but Chris was serving life in prison. He served 20 years in prison for a crime he did not commit. He was wrongfully accused of a 1996 murder and rape of an 18-year-old girl named Angie Dodge in Idaho Falls. He served 21 years in prison until new evidence led to Tapp's exoneration and the conviction of another man. Tapp has now been released from prison. Now, the mother of the 18-year-old girl who was killed, Carol Dodge, was instrumental to legislation that could help those wrongfully convicted receive compensation from the state. This is one form of reparations for those people that are wrongfully convicted. It's called Senate Bill 1027, and this is what it says. The bill would offer individuals $62,000 for every year of wrongful incarceration or $75,000 for every year wrongfully on death row. Those wrongfully convicted of a sex offense will be entitled to another $25,000 for every year they're on parole. So Chris Tapp's story is a story like many, many men. I just watched the movie Just Mercy. It's, again, it's another case of a man accused of a crime that he didn't commit. It, it stars Jamie Foxx and Michael B. Jordan plays the lawyer in the movie, the um, attorney. Another case of a man convicted of a crime that he did not commit. They coerce one man. They use manipulation, false witnesses to convict, the, uh, to convict the man of a crime he did not commit, and he was sentenced to death. 
and new evidence a guy came forward in that movie and gave his testimony and it and it helped free him. It's many stories like this every single day that should be celebrated. Once these men get out of prison, it should be a celebration. People should be elated, happy for it. No one should give a fuck about a Bible murder. See, we have this low life mentality. We we're like high school kids. Like children, teenagers. We're happy that somebody is free from prison, but they're not innocent. They were very guilty of what they did. People who graduate high school with a, a diploma, they go to college, they begin their own business, they they become a, a, a officer, a firefighter, they go into to the military, they come out. These are things that should be celebrated, not someone going to prison because they are associated with gang members and they're doing crime. They're selling drugs and, and killing people. This is not a cause for celebration. We have to stop this low life mentality and get away from it. It makes us look like fools. One minute we're celebrating a criminal being released from prison. That's what he is, a criminal. But we won't celebrate the wrongful convicted like we do him. And then on the opposite end, we're talking about police beating up people who are unarmed. We are not consistent. We have to be consistent. We cannot care about a fucking Bobby murder being released from prison. If you are serious about social justice, if you are serious about these things, then Bobby murder would take a back seat. No one would care. We cannot have social activists on social media caring just as much about Bobby murder as they do about cops killing unarmed black men. Is not the same fucking thing. Chris's tap story is an example of this. A man wrongfully convicted of a crime that he did not commit. Serve. He's given a life sentence. He serves 20 years in prison. He's released based on evidence. That supports the fact that he is not the guy. That did the crime. This is a fucking story. Our low life mentality is a disgrace to the black race. It's disgraceful. The fact that we can celebrate this garbage. And at the same time, cry wolf. They're beating up on black men. They're killing unarmed black men. You just celebrate a criminal being released from prison. It's a celebration. It's not, it's not as if he's innocent. A man being wrongfully convicted of a crime he did not commit, that's worth celebrating. A rapper's release from fucking prison is not. We have to stop this low-life mentality. Well, that concludes this podcast. Thank you for being able to tune in and listen to No One Watches Regular News No More, hosted by me, Kerry Bogar. And I will be back real soon.